Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Welcome in. It is another edition of Curd and Long from the Toy Drive this week. Ryan is out sick, and I don't think he'll be back this week as he has no voice currently as we record this on Wednesday. Uh, so as always, I go to my emergency backup who always, always, always is available, and I appreciate oh so much. She is Kevin Holden, uh, CBS 58 Sports Director, Packers play-by-play announcer for Telemundo, uh, Crunchy Kevin Holden, as I like to call him. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on, man. appreciate it. Uh, Sparky, I always appreciate that I'm your I'm your first call. I, You know I don't really do much. I just hang out and look at Rubik's Cubes and, you know, baseball cards. I don't know. Yeah. I, I make sure to follow him on uh, Twitter at 321Q. Kevin, I just realized that I never put it up on the video on the Odyssey Sports uh, YouTube page. I have Nathan Marzian's Twitter account up there from Green and Growing still, so way to go me. Uh, okay, so we're out here at the Toy Drive at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. My brain is mush from doing this Toy Drive all week. Uh, so it's day three right now, uh, and you can still have time. We're here till Friday. I'm out here every day, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come on out, uh, say hi, hang out with us. Uh, and you can donate brand new toys uh, like some of you have done. Cash donations accepted this year. Last year we couldn't do it, but yet, this year we are mainly because Children's uh, Wisconsin was nice enough to uh, give us volunteers for every shift of every day out here that can collect uh, money for us. Checks, you can write checks out as well. You can donate online at 1250amthefan.com too. Uh, and hopefully we'll see our fire departments like we normally see. Normally we get Oak Creek Fire Department out here. Normally we get Franklin Fire Department, North Shore Fire Department. I'm not sure if they'll be out here this year or not, but I'm hoping to see them this year. That would be kind of cool. Uh, Kevin, you've been out here at the Toy Drive over uh, the course of 17 years. This is the 17th year we're doing it. Uh, I don't know. Give me your thoughts and memories on the Toy Drive. So, some of my favorite memories because it, it to me, it marked, well, for one, it's it, it's just it's a, it's a good cause and a good event and, and something that's great to be a part of. But it's sort of marked a time of year. Usually by the time we got to, to this point, uh, we were we were talking some very specific things, the end of the college football season, the heat of, of Packers season. And it's funny to go back and, and think like I was thinking the other day about the first time I was there, the first time uh, when I had first moved to Milwaukee and the topics of conversation that we were uh, were talking about. You know what, what we were talking about? It was it was would Jimbo Fisher be a, a good college head coach like at a, at a major college football program? And <clears throat> the second year it was. How in the world are the Packers winning with Frank Zombo and how long could that yes. possibly last? <laughs> yes, no doubt. And for me, my toy drive favorite memory of Kevin Holden involves food. Kevin Holden was the one that introduced all of us, I believe, on the big show, but specifically me, to chocolate licorice. I had never heard of it in my life. He's like, oh, I got to get some chocolate licorice while I'm here. I'm like, what are you talking about chocolate licorice? You'll see. He goes inside, gets a couple bags of chocolate licorice, gives me a bag. Here, you'll love it, Sparky. Uh, it was good. It was really, really good. Good old Kevin Holden coming through on the food end uh, out here at Farm and Fleet for the toy drive. And I, I we got to talk, obviously, Packers. And think of all the different Packer topics. Like you brought up Zombo, all the different Packer topics that were covered out here at this toy drive, including Rodgers becoming starter, the end of the Favre era, kind of went through all of that uh, because this is always during Packer season. We're always the first week after Thanksgiving, that Monday through Friday. So we talked a lot. And now here we are on our third starting quarterback in the toy drive era uh, with Jordan Love now. And everybody wants to throw out these numbers 
of uh, him and Aaron Rodgers through, you know, uh, 11 starts uh, and how pretty much similar they are. Yards are the same. Touchdowns and interceptions differ by like one each way. Uh, and I said it on Monday with Bart Winkler. I'm interested to hear what you say. They're 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 giving you these numbers with the intent of making Jordan Love look good, right? That's the intent. Oh boy, look, see, everybody was on Jordan Love, but look, his numbers are just as good as 12, and 12 is a Hall of Famer, and you know you should be happy about that. I think the numbers are completely unfair and unjust, and really don't tell the story for Jordan Love, and he kind of gets screwed in this whole deal. When Aaron Rodgers took over. Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver. Those are the guys he was playing with. He had a good offensive line. Not Rasheed Walker at left tackle. John Runyon at right guard. First and second year players at wide receiver who still aren't doing the right things. Jordan Love said in the last game, that first touchdown to Jaden Reed, Watson ran the wrong route. That's why he cut in front of him when the ball was thrown for the touchdown. So they're still not running the right routes. It's still a train wreck out there for the most part. The guy you built the offense around is a running back named Aaron Jones, who played what a, a part of a game in week one, hurt his hamstring, gone for several weeks, comes back for a couple of weeks, and gone again. So that whole offensive philosophy that you were going to do in training camp goes straight out the window, and you have to adjust. To think of what he's had to overcome in his first year as starter and to put up the numbers he's putting up, to me, is far more impressive than anything Rodgers did his first year as a starter. Yeah, it is. Aaron Rodgers literally was given the seat, you know, and the keys to the fancy offense. Just slide on in. They're expecting Jordan Love to be the engine. He's, you know, it's it, Rodgers had had everything around him. Jordan Love has to create what's around him, and he has to do it with this super young receiver room. And the fact that from week to week, we've been wondering, okay, who really is the number one or number two receiver? How do they slide in? Who's going to be? Uh, you know, the options past that. Can Luke Musgrave do something? And these guys are all so young. It's uh, it, it's actually, I wasn't 100% on board the thought process until the last couple of games. Not just the fact that they were wins, but the fact that, first of all, you see an improvement, but you also see a, a difference in confidence. The fact that the Packers went to Detroit Thanksgiving Day in a game that everybody in the world thought they were just going to get blown out of the water. And they turned around and did the exact opposite. They turned around and blew the lions out of the water right off the top and then held on to win the game. That was one of those things you can build off of. And I, I, I just, I'm really curious about it because I did not want to do this. Packers are a playoff contender thing if they aren't actually a playoff contender, but on the other side of the chiefs, they've got the kind of schedule that sets up for a win streak. They're a playoff contender, Sparky. They are. It's crazy. You know, that's the one thing. I was reading CBS Sports uh, earlier today, and they have their projections for the playoffs. They project the Packers as the last playoff, uh, last wild card, the NFC playoffs. Part of that reason is the remaining schedule, the winning percentage is less than 40%. It's like 390-something or whatever. They have the easiest schedule left of everybody in contention right now. Uh, do the Green Bay Packers. Now, again, you have a young team. That does not mean they're going to win every one of these games. They're probably going to stub their toe. They're going to have issues along the way. It's probably not going to go as smoothly. But to think of where they were, and Bart brought this up on Monday, where you had people on his podcast, on the Bart Winkler Show podcast, calling up and saying, boy, you know, if we lose the rest of these, we have a chance to get May or Caleb Williams because it's clearly not Jordan Love. He's not the answer. You know, just ignoring everything else going on around Jordan Love and just putting it all on Jordan Love was stupid to begin with. And then essentially rooting for that to be a horrible draft pick so you can get a quarterback. And now 
they start winning. And these same people now are mad that they're winning because they don't want to keep Jordan Love regardless. So these people's minds were pre-made before the season even started that they were going to get down with the guy that they drafted to replace Aaron Rodgers, and they were moving on. Just like a lot of people predetermined that they were going to hate Aaron Rodgers forever because they wanted Brett Favre to be the quarterback, and no matter what happened, wasn't going to change their mind. I think when you look at how this sets up right now, going forward, it's to me not about the Packers offense because all year to me, it has been about the Packers offense, Packers defense. I know what that is. Just show me improvement on the offense by the end of the year, regardless of win total. Give me some hope for next year and I'm good. In fact, at one point I told Ryan Horvat, my normal co-host, I said, if he just throws love one time over 300 yards, that's all I need to put a hand into the face of all the anti-Jordan love people. I could point to one game and go, that's what he's going to be. Shut up. I'm done. I don't want to listen to it anymore. Well, he's done far more than that now. I mean, he's on a major role at this point. The deep passing game has been really good here for the last three or four weeks as well. He's hitting more of those throws. So that's good. My issue is defensively, I don't believe what I saw in the Lions game. I think it was a mirage. I don't believe it's real. I, I'm not buying into it. And when you talk about the Chiefs game coming up on Sunday night, I was on with Bob Fesco uh, and Josh Klinger in Kansas City uh, earlier this morning doing their morning show, and I told them the same thing. I'm like, I think the Packers can score, you know, 17, 24 points, something like that, but I don't know if they can keep them under 30, that being Kansas City, especially if Jair Alexander, who's been battling a back injury, if he's not 100% or if he doesn't play, and if Devondre Campbell, if he's not 100% or if he doesn't play, those are two big losses to try and overcome against Patrick Mahomes, who is not Jared Goff, by the way. Um, and everybody should remember this going into Sunday night football, regardless of where they play the game, Kevin. So for me, my big concern when we talk about playoffs is just what will this defense look like the rest of the year? And will they hold up their end of the bargain to help this offense? They're going to need the one thing they're going to need more, maybe more than anything else, is just health. And it's a lot to ask of an NFL team in November and December when everybody is banged up. I think even if they face the Chiefs another week or two down the line, with Eric Stokes healthier, with Darnell Savage healthier, with those guys farther removed from their injuries, that would help. I, I don't know if it would help enough to, to contain the Chiefs enough to, to beat them handily or anything like that, but if if they can avoid having further injuries and they can get that secondary filled back out and you have you know Jair at, at, at full strength and Eric Stokes and Darnell Savage and so on, facing you know Bryce Young in Carolina, facing – you know, even Minnesota, you know, uh, with Dobbs, it's it, it's going to play in their favor if they can stay healthy. But again, that's just it's just a, it's a roll of the dice. It's almost random what the what the health luck was like. If the health luck is really, really good, then then this team turns into someone that, that goes on a run late in the season, makes the playoffs and has a defense to at least compete. I don't I, even if they make the playoffs, I'm not expecting some big, long run, I think getting there this would be the one time in the last 30 or 40 years of Packers history where we made the playoffs would be the banner you would wave yes. but it's worthy it's a it's a worthy banner because even a few weeks ago I mean early in the year it was week three or four and and we were in the press box at Lambeau and someone brought up the phrase worst team in the NFL that that phrase was brought up worst they could be the worst team in the NFL Clearly, they're not. They're 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 an upper half team, I would say, in the NFL. Think about this. If you if I tell you, okay, project over the next three years, who has the best quarterback situation in the division right now? 
It's Green Bay. Uh, it's all day it's Green Bay because Jared Goff isn't getting any younger. He's obviously still not the guy, regardless of what Lions fans want to tell you. Chicago might be getting another quarterback in the draft this year, right? And Minnesota has no idea what the hell they're doing at quarterback. They're going to try and bring back Kirk Cousins, it sounds like, which is lunacy. Um, so, I mean, you look at it from that perspective, Favre owned the division, Rodgers owned the division, and this is getting set up for another Packer quarterback to own this division for the foreseeable future, Kevin. And that is going to make Bears fans cry, Vikings fans cry, and Lions fans cry if he's as good as what it appears he is. They, the, the folks who are from outside the division, the Jordan Love haters and those that are rooting for the non-success of the Packers, you know, those who support other teams, are missing one key element here, which is the Packers' current situation is like it is because they are in, in absolute salary cap purgatory. They are They right. are – paying a ton of money to Aaron Rodgers and a significant amount of money to David Bakhtiari and others, they're hamstrung. It's not that, you know, if, if they had money, they could go and fill this out. Well, that's not going to last forever. It's, it's going to be off the books pretty rapidly. So it, when you talk about those, those years down the line, the first thing I thought of is not only will Jordan Love be on a better path for progression, but the Packers will be on a better path to get him some help, whether it's receiver or even on the other side of the ball, you know, the, the, the defense getting stronger and taking some pressure off of him. They're set up well. And once that, you know, the, the once the Rogers nightmare ends, when you're talking money, you know, that they're having to pay him, it's going to change the game. Now, obviously loves quarter loves uh, contract is going to have to change in this situation, but there will be money to be spread around They're They're not in a bad place, man. They're really not. No, they're they're in a they're in a they're in a pretty good spot right now going forward. Uh, and the other thing too that that you think about, Matt Lafleur got a lot of criticism earlier in the year. See, Aaron Rodgers was the guy. It wasn't Matt Lafleur. He wasn't that great of a schemer. Da 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 da. Okay, well now let's re revisit this. If they make the playoffs this year, and let's say they miss the playoffs, but they win nine games, they go nine and eight in his first year with everything we talked about that's happened already. I'm sorry. You can't question Matt LaFleur going forward as far as what he is as a head coach, what he is as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator. Like to me, that all goes out the window. You could still question his undying loyalty to Joe Barry. Fair. I'll give you that. But outside of that, as far as on the offensive side and as a leader of men, I, I don't think it's it, it. You can question it anymore going forward if, if they win more games than they lose in the first year with Jordan Love as a starter. Yeah, it is. It's impressive. It, it, it will be impressive just because of, you know, the, the progression of what's gone on through the Rodgers era and so on. Plus, the other half of it is to to make a reactionary decision, even after what would be considered a successful season nine and eight. If they do something reactionary, the Packers front office, that would be out of character. This It's really not the way they do things, whether it's developing a quarterback or dealing with a head coach or whatever. The Packers have their their process. And I don't think it's changed even with the personnel having changed. It's interesting that this season happened in part because the Packers did one time get away from the way that they they handle specifically players and player longevity. Jordy Nelson and Josh Sitton and TJ Lang and all the guys that got cut and it hurt at the moment because it's like, man, these guys are viable players. And it turned out they weren't as viable. They were on that downward slide, right? Rodgers was an interesting case and they had to, figure something out there. They had to make a, a, a couple of decisions along this 
year and all that money that you're paying to Rodgers, but they don't vary from from that way. And that way has produced a lot of winning teams through the years. So it, it, I think it goes straight to the head coach. They're, if they're nine and eight, I think the last thing on earth they want to do is pull the plug and try to start something new. They've, they've, they've been building. It would be a terrible time to tear down. What about Brian Gutenkunst? Now, this is a guy that also was under fire, right, for some of these drafts lately that haven't been necessarily the best. Now, it appears this last draft has hit some guys, right? I mean, you've got a couple of interior defensive linemen that both have been playing really well at this point. you got to be happy about that. Uh, the wide receivers to this point, I think. Jaden Reed looks like he's a keeper kind of going forward here, and we'll see what that ends up uh, looking like. Musgrave and Kraft, I think they're going to be the tight ends of the future for this team. They did some nice things in this draft, but again, everybody on Goody about how this whole thing played out. I argued and have argued all year they did not give Jordan Love um, the best chance to win uh, or put him in a position to win. They were willing, and Goody even said it at the beginning of the year, didn't he, where he said, yeah, we may have to take a step back to get back to where we want to be going forward. So he knew that it may not be a great year going in, and he was willing to accept it. And I'm sure LaFleur knew that there was a possibility that it could be a long year and that it may suck too. Uh, but now when you look at how this whole thing played out, again, if they win more games than they lose, Gutekunst is going to come up looking on the other side of this like a Swami as well. Yeah, and it, you know what's weird about it too is is Goody's had to ride the roller coaster a little bit, and and that's one of the things about when you've had all this success and then you take that step back and then come up. Remember at the trade deadline, the Packers were sellers. Well, I would say they're sellers. Yep. They sold Russell Douglas, but that that was in that moment what seemed like the right the right thing. And now you're thinking, man, Russell Douglas kind of helped a little bit right now. But uh, it's it, you know he's had to sort of ride this wave and figure out where exactly are the Packers and where will they be? What can they be this year? What can they be down the road? The, I think that the thing about the drafts is it's, it's going to be this, it's the best way to say it. It's this almost like impossible standard. Ted Thompson did a terrific job drafting, but also for whatever reason, some of these guys that he picked just blossomed and they had so many that did it that, you know, to be compared to the draft classes that got you Clay Matthews and Jordy Nelson, all that, it's just impossible. Like who, who on earth can, can replicate that? You know what? There is no system that will be better than everybody else's to the point that you could replicate it. So Goody, I think is having good solid drafts that get overshadowed by the fact that the Packers had these otherworldly drafts for a while. But if he stays on the course here, even if it's not going to be a top 10 pick, like we thought for a while, I think it works in a good direction. And one more draft could do this team some some real good as those young guys get a year older and you slide in guys behind them. It, it'll help the depth a lot. Think about it. He's got multiple twos, multiple threes. I think they're going to have multiple fours uh, as well, plus his first-round pick. I mean, they're in a position to where he can make his first-round pick, and then with his extra picks, he can maneuver right back into the first round. I mean, they could end up with – Literally two first-round picks. The one mock draft today, I saw them taking a corner out of Alabama. But if you look at the end of the first round of some of these mock drafts, it's littered with offensive tackles. So you could come out of this with a cornerback to play opposite Alexander because I don't know if anybody has faith in Eric Stokes coming back and being the same guy again. So you could draft a corner to play opposite Alexander and draft yourself a starting right tackle uh, or, le well, not probably not left tackle, but maybe right tackle. And then Zach Tom maybe slides into right guard to replace John Runyon. Uh, who's definitely gone after this year, I would assume. Uh, and then all of a sudden that right side becomes a little bit more solidified, but still without a left tackle, obviously, and that is a thing. Uh, the other option would be draft a left tackle, that first round pick, and then maybe you come back 
and get a right tackle. Maybe take two linemen in the first round or come back and get get a corner or a safety at the end of round one. But the options are plentiful when you have all of this extra draft capital. Yeah, that's that's the fun of it uh, that you can you can build it a, one of a, several different ways. And the the way that line is set up right now, you you have to think the success that Jordan Love is having is a little bit more in spite of, not because of what goes on on a lot of that offensive line. So if you if you make that line viable, if you just make it you know solid, uh, kind of like umpires, right? The the less you talk about them, the the better they're doing their job. Right. Uh, if, if you have that, then then that's a, a giant step forward. And it's a big step forward all the way. The, the effect goes all the way down the line. It helps love a ton. It helps his receivers because it helps Jordan love. And then eventually it comes around and helps running backs, especially if the if the blocking is good. But also this concept that for the first half of the year that that it was either Aaron Jones in the offense or absolutely no offense that can go away. You know, like whatever happens in the backfield of the future, you don't have to depend on that one person, you know, to be the the guy that does this. I, I like the idea of getting offensive linemen in that draft early. I mean, obviously they, they're very much about best available sometimes to a fault. Sometimes even, you know, if the position isn't a position of need in the moment, they'll do it anyway. But I wouldn't mind seeing picks that were cited instead of for three years down the road, maybe for a year or two down the road, because I think the downward dip could be smaller if you if you play it right in this draft. I totally agree with you. One thousand percent. You know, the other thing that just annoys the hell out of me when I hear broadcasters, oh, Packers offensive line has played well this year. Tell me that you haven't watched Packer film. Just what's the easiest? Because, again, maybe you look at numbers and the numbers say they're they're good. But I'm telling you, they're not. The one area that has improved in the last two or three weeks that doesn't get a lot of talk. And I don't know if it's, you know, you give the players a, a slap on the back. Good job. You figured it out. Is it the coaching staff? Do they get the good job? Because when it was going wrong, it was their fault. And that is flags. Not an issue anymore. I mean, before it was false start, holding, illegal motion, whatever. Every time you would try to get something going on offense, you would get pulled back and negated. And then you were playing from a deep hole. LaFleur was crying about it for weeks. And now all of a sudden, like, poof, gone. Don't see it anymore for the last three or four weeks. If that stays the rest of the year, then this offense is going to be fine. And again, I don't know who you give credit to. I would assume the players because they're the ones not making the penalties anymore. Uh, but I think the coaches probably deserve some credit too for coaching them up. Yeah, that's a that to me, it's a system system wide change. Something that you, you identify this as a problem. You got to fix it. We got to work on it. Let's you know focus on these specific things, and then the players execute it, and it, and it happens. It's a, I think it's an everybody deserves a little credit. And Detroit was the the example that I thought that was fantastic because during that game, how many times was I thinking they're driving down the field, and I'm like, oh, this is right here, third down at the 25 or 30 yard line where you're, where you're thinking about three points at least, and then the penalty comes and now yep. you're third 19 down there and you have to change everything and expect a miracle that that happened far too often in the first half of the season. But as you mentioned, it's, it's way less now. And I thought it, not only does, does it help you put points on the board? It helps the flow go better. You know, like if you're, if you're Jordan love, you don't, you know, you're not making progress, progress, progress. And then all of a sudden you're, you're okay. Now we have to change gears. You can, you know, continue on that flow of an offensive drive. I think it builds the confidence of your quarterback. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it that there are some teams where where penalties. I think we, we talk about it too much with some teams, not enough with this team. This, uh, that change right. in penalties has been a huge uh, confidence booster. Okay. So tell me this, 
going into this game on Sunday, Kansas City Chiefs, primetime in Green Bay, uh, which is great for Jordan Love. He doesn't have to deal with arrowheads, uh, crowd noise, or whatever the case may be. So that's a huge positive for the Packers. W- what are you the most intrigued to kind of see as far as a matchup goes one way or the other going into this game? So the thing about the the last game, the, the, the Lions game, is it's a Thanksgiving Day game, and there is a bit of a national stage to it, but it's at 1130 in the morning. And it's it's really the highest high most what was it the most uh, watched game in the eleven thirty time slot ever on Thanksgiving I think yeah. they said which is which is great I mean you division rivals and you know there's there's a lot of there was a lot yeah. to watch there but it's there's something about it it's yeah it's a holiday and it's eleven thirty in the morning that's more of an oddity I think in the schedule than anything else this is prime time and 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 true honest to goodness prime time football the kind of prime time game that has a week of hype leading up to it, even if it's a pop star that's the reason. Don't start me. Uh, but but that's one of the reasons why this game has so much attention. Everybody is paying attention. You, you're The, the entire nation is going to be watching. It's Lambeau Field in December. There was a time for a lot of years when we talked about mystique and the fact that the Packers had this ungodly record at home when the temperature got cold. November and December, they were almost unbeatable, even against the good teams at home. This is that chance. What intrigues me is, is Jordan Love can go from the guy who's replacing Aaron Rodgers to the guy who steps into the shoes now, and he gets it done in a primetime situation against a top-notch team. I don't know if I'm ready to predict a victory for the Packers, but how Jordan Love handles himself in this game, what that what that is like in reaction to the situation is going to be a, a telling sign. And if he does well with it in this game, then that momentum is there for the last, what, six weeks, five weeks of the season. I think this is a significant test for Matt LaFleur um, and Jordan Love. Because remember, his only time starting prior to this year was against this this Spagnola-led Chiefs defense um, that had them all kinds of confused and creating all kinds of problems for everybody. And Love looked horrible. And they were still in that game of the fourth quarter, but he looked horrible. And then after the game, Lafleur is like, "That's my fault. Like, I didn't give him, I didn't give him safety valves to throw to on these zero blitzes. Like, I didn't do anything to really help him as much as I should have. Put it on me." Okay. Now, I think when this schedule came out, Jordan Love circled this game back when the schedule came out and said, "That's the game I want to be ready to ball out in. This is the game that we have to be going by because I am not going to look bad against them again." And Lafleur needs to have this offense. Right and ready because Spagnuolo is going to bring blitzes from everywhere that he possibly can to try and confuse Love. Uh, and if Love is on, they can burn him. They can get him for some big plays, no doubt. But Kansas City's defense has played well this year. This is not a bad defense. This is not a junk defense. This is a really good defense. So to me, I want to see uh, in this one, I, I want to see what they do. Like what is going to be different? What kind of looks are you going to give them? Um, that's maybe going to hurt the Kansas City defense. I saw from, what was it, last week's game, I want to say. Kansas City brought a zero blitz. Uh, it was against the Bears, I think, from earlier this year. Uh, and the Bears sent, I think, three wideouts just straight out. And then at the very last second, the tight end just kind of leaked out over the middle. And just before Justin Fields gets hit, boop, he dumps it you know, five yards to uh, uh, Cole Komet with nobody around him for 15 yards because they all took off down the field and they all went running with them. And he ran up field for 10, 15 yards. Uh, and that's something that's 
Nothing too hard to figure out, but that's something, again, that you can do to kind of break it up and try and get him to stop doing that zero blitz uh, and give your quarterback some time. That's the type of stuff I want to see, and that's going to be on the floor of the play caller uh, to try and burn these guys and take advantage of it. Did you read the athletic article by Matt Schneidman talking about Jaden Reed? In that article, uh, he talks about on Tuesdays, the Packers off day, okay, the wide receivers and a quarterback and maybe the tight ends too, I think, are getting together on their off days and going over film uh, with the coaches and looking at the opposing defense they're going to face that week. Every Tuesday, they've been doing this now for the last several weeks or whatever, and they chalk that up to part of the reason why this offense is playing so much better because they're doing all this extra film work together as a group on their off day to get ready for the next game. You're talking about young dudes wanting to work harder and put in extra film work. Say whatever you want about Gutekunst. He's got some guys with some work ethic. He's got some guys that have some competitive fire and don't want to suck. Uh, and they're willing to work on their off days. To me, that says all you need to know. Jaden Reed is, that that's the guy that's flashing. I mean, Christian Watson and, and Romeo Dobbs have the, the talent, the obvious talent. But Jaden Reed is the guy who flashes, right? The guy that, well, Matt LaFleur said it after the last home game. They asked him about – the question was about Jaden Reed, and he didn't even let the guy finish the question. He goes, he's a dog. He's a dog. Like, that's exactly the kind of guy that you need. So if you you do that long enough, you do that for a dozen weeks, and, you know, it's not just one day of difference. It's two or three months of difference, right? That's That'll be the sort of thing that's tested here in this, this last six games of the season. Yeah, I, man, I got to say, I, I thought when we were in October, early November – that we were just going to be playing this this string out and, you know, wife was talking about trying to go on a trip in January and now I'm having to tell her, like, hang on here. We, January is going to be a busy month if this keeps going like this, at least for a while, even if it's one week. That's still pretty good. We'll figure out the trips. And again, that's something else. One week, okay, even if they get beat, that playoff experience for these young guys is mm-hmm. huge. The intensity level, the crowds, everything is different in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. So even if you go and get beat in the first round in a wild card matchup or whatever, just to be able to experience the additional media that comes with playoff week, all the additional responsibilities that come with it, and then the intensity level of the game, that is huge experience you can have going into next season. When again, next year, and Bart and I talked about this, this team wins eight, nine games next year. They're going to be expected to be in the playoffs by this Packers fan base. So uh, this is the game that immediately comes to mind when you mention this Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Arizona, the playoffs from the oh, 2009 yes. season. Yep. It was a 51 to 45 game where Carlos Dunlap, I think I got that name right. Inter- intercepted basically a handoff and ran it in for yep. Arizona and ended the Packers season. But the, but the battle that they had there in this 96 point playoff game, when you look at the, the long-term history of it, was the setting up point. They, the, the next playoff loss they had was after their next Super Bowl. They, they, they did not lose a game in the next playoffs after that year. And, they, and that was a quick turn, right? It was Rodgers was a starter, and they weren't very good. And then Rodgers in his second year as a starter, and they battled Arizona to, the, to that last play in overtime, and then they got really good. That's, I don't think there's any reason that that – timeline couldn't repeat itself. I'm not talking about the Packers winning a Super Bowl next year, but but gaining the experience and, and becoming like an extra level more dangerous next year is absolutely in play if they if they hang tough in that playoff game. 
the headline of this podcast, Packers Super Bowl champs in 2025. We asked oh. Kevin Holden. I mean, I think that's I think that's definitely all it has to be. Uh, at 321Q, Kevin on Twitter. He is the CBS 58 sports director, Packers play-by-play announcer for Telemundo, Wisconsin as well. Crunchy Kevin Holden. Uh, shout out to uh, your cohort over there, Amanda Becker, for uh, coming out to the toy drive yesterday morning. Uh, and we were doing hits on the local morning show on CBS 58 from 530 till 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, yesterday got a lot of uh, publicity for us and we got some people coming out here to the toy drive uh, dropping off toys that saw it on CBS 58 so that was awesome so appreciate all the coverage you guys have given the toy drive over the years and this year especially and uh, thanks so much my friend glad to do it Sparky glad to talk sports as well anytime